Radio Primavera Sound, powered by SEAT. Welcome to the last episode of the season of The Weekly Review, the radio show where two responsible adults try to maintain their fingers on the pop cultural pulse by keeping up with the latest releases. Entertainment is medicine. Entertainment keeps us young. Culture is nourishment. Pop will make us free. But alas, it's getting harder to keep up with what helps us stay relevant around table discussions with those who really make the world thrilling. The young people, the ones who get milk fed and determine the way the markets operate. Luckily, we have an insider. A real young person who scans the internet in search of trends. There's no way persons over 40 like Ben Cardew or myself could ever fathom. Her name is Marvai Verdu, a.k.a. The Keymaster. <laughs> On this, our last episode before a much-deserved break, we shall talk about the 21st century's most important music producers, according to Billboard magazine. The Olympics! There are stories of hope and progress within this year's semi-interrupted games that aim to bring the world closer together in friendly international competition. Mediterranean ancestral folk is a thing as of late, so Ben will praise Tartarelena, an a cappella duo who are making sacred chants great again. Hopefully, we may have time to talk about the thing that eludes Ben and I the most since they became a thing. Dating apps! Apparently, there's a new one, and it involves musical tastes as a way of finding soulmates. And as usual, we have selected an album of the week. None other than Nicolas Jarre's side project, Dark Sides Spiral. Nicolas Jarre and Dave Harrington have delivered a new album continuing their meditative and spacey vibe just like on their predecessor from 2013, <coughs> Psychic. It's amazing how identifiable their sound is. As pointed out in the Pitchfork review of this album, they've managed to sound instantly recognizable with just one album. The treatment of the slow down falsetto vocals, the guitar textures and that tired hoarse tempo that drags the songs in a groove that is almost a trademark. On Spiral, they sound like they're crossing a desert, barely able to look up from the glare of the sun, except they aren't in the Sahara Desert, they're on the moon. Dark <laughs> side. <laughs> Dark side like slow tempo, but they always manage to hold an intensity that distinguishes them from other down-tempo acts from the past that would be assembled together in all those very popular compilations that soundtrack boutique hotels. There's something ceremonial about the rhythms in Dark Side's music. I can imagine enthusiasts of DMT would love to cop out to this album while voyaging into the interior universe under the guidance of a shaman. What are your professional opinions on this Spiral. Ben. Do you know what I mean by jam band? Yes. Mar, do you know what I mean by jam no. band? It's like basically the worst thing in the history of music. <laughs> it's like uh, ba American bands, typically American bands like Fish, right? And they get oh. together and... They, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and they get together and they just jam. And also while they're jamming, they like to kick a hacky sack around. Yeah. So like improvising jamming? <sighs> and a little yes bass. Yes and no. I mean like it's sort of improvising... 
but like not very good if that makes yeah. any like okay. it's sort of because improvising makes you think of like oh wow incredible jazz things jam yeah. bands are like people that get together in like their mum's basement and like play <laughs> extended 12 bar blues and think it sounds absolutely like it's, it's a total phenomenon in America like if yeah. you if you go there like you get these bands you've never heard of never never heard of playing to like 20,000 people on a summer day and like they're all wearing tie-dye kicking a hacky sack around and they are probably having a better life than I was going to say you than me they're probably having a better <laughs> life than me um, which I'm in no way jealous of anyway right that's my way of saying Dark Side right are like a, a jam band but not but not utterly shit they've somehow somehow transcended this, this this jam band thing to make music that's actually really kind of fabulous. I mean, they are a jam band. Like you look around, it's like basically it's a side project. They go to a place and they jam for a week, and normally that makes just the worst music in the whole history of the world. But as it so happens, uh, Nicholas Jar is incredibly talented, and I mean, I, I guess Dave has to be as well. Sorry, Dave, I'm giving that to Nicholas because he's made loads of other, other other music, and I I really really like. This album, it just—I it, I almost feel like I shouldn't, but I think it's absolutely brilliant. They, as as Johan was saying, they've kind of nailed their sound. It's quite relaxed and summery, but I don't agree. It doesn't sound like anyone else. Uh, I because I think it sounds a lot like, like the Beta Band. Remember really, the Beta Band? The yeah. Beta Band, but Beta Band had a pop kind of energy. Yeah, but there's a lot of pop in here. I there's c- tunes. What about Liberty Bell? That's a yeah, tune. yeah. Bit beta band, bit caribou, bit hot chip, that kind of thing, mainly for his vocals. Uh, caribou because of the voice, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the, was, I agree with what you're trying to get at with the jam band thing because I think Nico and, and all, of the, all of his side projects and all of his stuff, it kind of has this formula he's created with Dark Side. The, the the rhythms the cadence no no song is faster than pff, what 90 bpms or i don't know what that is and i think i get what you mean that he he knows how to set up the 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 instruments and the programs and it's like look if we just jam for ages i know when to edit this up to make it sound cohesive and uh, i think that's what you what i'm perceiving of what you mean by a jam band no they just sort of jam in, in with these limitations and it's always going to sound good because it has this dark side sound can i can i name drop just for a second yes, we love name dropping i mean name. right this isn't this this is a name drop that's impressive for 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 me that impresses me about myself rather than you know most normal people but um moritz von oswald right Mm-hmm. Techno legend of Basic Channel. Mm-hmm. Oh, Johan, I thought you might be with me. Mar, are you with me, Moritz von Oswald? Uh, well, I've just got <laughs> from my own room and talked to myself. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a legendary figure in techno. Okay, um, and uh, I interviewed him the other day. This is the the dub techno, the, yes. the pioneer of dub techno, yes. right? Yeah. I know this because I'm your colleague, and you told me. And <laughs> I'm always <laughs> and I'm always droning on about it, and you just <laughs> wish I would shut up, but I won't. So. Hang on, <laughs> just for, for for the sake of Mara and myself, what what is dub techno compared to normal sort of dry techno? Uh, it's like techno with a strong dub influence, lots of bass, lots of echo. Jamaican dub, we're talking about. Yes. yes? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can imagine Jamaican dub made by. Um, a load of people in Berlin and somehow being brilliant. Um, that's it. Um, just a quick side note. I want to shout out my friend Jojo Altevocht, who released an album of reg- light reggae sung in German. And it sounds awful on, on, on was as if I explain it that way, but it actually had a lot of heart and soul to it. And I just want to congratulate him on releasing an album... <laughs> 
<laughs> German patois. It's 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 in a league of its own. Continue, Ben. Sorry. Uh, anyway, right. I interviewed him. I interviewed him the other day. I was very pleased about this, Mark. Very pleased, as Johan will know. Um, and uh, an interview coming soon. And he, I basically, I was talking about his his band's new album. And um, and uh, I was like, yeah, I, I heard the recording. You kind of get together and you jam, and you know, then you edit it down. He was like, Ben, I have to interrupt you. I almost did a German accent then. I'm really glad. Then <laughs> oh. I have to interrupt you. Uh, I'm afraid we do not jam. We improvise. And I was thinking about this when I was listening to Darkseid because, like, they jam. Look, I've just found a quote from Nicholas Jar. From the beginning, Darkseid has been our jam band. Something we did on days off. When we reconvened, it was because we really couldn't wait to jam together again. Like, this is a jam band. But this, it's... It's a meditative kind of jam. It's not like those wonky um, funk wannabes, you know, when they're kind of mixing funk and blues. And I know, you know, that kind of college college jam band that you're thinking of. This is good jam band. Oh, this brilliant jam band. Yeah, they, they, they definitely, you know, they, they give jam band a good name. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get into fish, but, you know. Fish are having a bit of a comeback, aren't they? Are they? I think so. In America, you know, one of those. Yeah, things I mean, they're never going to come here. It's like great, like I don't like the Grateful Dead. I don't quite get the Grateful Dead. I, I, I haven't listened. to I can't. I don't know where to begin. I don't know how it. it it's one of those things that's huge in America. You've got to sort of be have been in America in the last forty years to understand. Well, the last eighty years maybe <laughs> to understand the or grasp what the whole thing about the Grateful Dead. See, I once spoke to an American Grateful Dead expert, and I was like, "Look, can you can you kind of like explain like what?" the appeal of Grateful Dead is because like no one in Britain likes them he was like well actually I think you'll find when they play Britain they in 1985 they played to 70,000 people and I was like alright okay you're not really grasping the point of this are you um, so I don't know there, here's a link between Darkseid and, and the Grateful Dead Grateful Dead I think were huge because there was an experience to going to see a, a to, of being a deadhead which involved taking loads of acid basically and I think this album by Nicholas Jar is a perfect DMT album I haven't tried DMT but from everything that I've read about it and all the friends who are having ayahuasca trips and stuff, uh, this is the kind of stuff I would think would be ideal to listen to while tripping. I also haven't tried DMT and don't intend to. But like, um, doesn't it basically take you off into another world for twenty minutes? So I don't Ooh. think like you could even. Re- I don't think like you can even really listen to music. I think it's basically like yeah. you sort of like go and play in a crystal paradise of like dolphins or something like that. Yeah. So like, what's actually happening around you is, is not very relevant. Well, I, I don't want to rain on your theory. I know, I know where you're going, but well, mushrooms. You know, you can get a good six hours out of a mushroom. You know, you play this and and similar kind of stuff like this, and it's probably maybe it helps. It, it enhances the experience. I'll take your word for it. Uh, Mar, what did you think of DMT? No, <laughs> 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 of licking toads. Uh, sorry, no. What did you think of the album? Um, I did. I listened to it, but I did good. A good, start. <laughs> good, good beginning. Um. But I don't really feel like I have anything to say. Not that it's really good or really bad and I have nothing to say about it. It's like I I feel like I, have, I haven't listened to music that sounds like it enough to, to be able to say, oh, yes, I really like it or no, they they don't compare to other music like this. So I, I'm not sure how... I, I, I'm, I'm sure it's fine, but I'm... I don't know if I, my opinion here is like, oh, okay, I, I listened for the first time something like this, but I don't think it sounds like, well, maybe it does, but like Caribou or or like Hot Chip, like you said, because I have listened to this, but 
in this like listening to to dark side i felt like oh i like you said last um last episode i don't know in which occasion i would listen to this album so it feels kind of how did you say it without sounding offensive not useless but um oh i think it uh dysfunctional maybe or something like that i can't something yeah, like this no. that i i don't know in which moment i would listen to it but um it's good that you do music just just to do it sounds super offensive i really liked it i just that i don't know exactly how what to say another thing that uh researching a little bit and trying going back on dark side is i hadn't paid attention to the random access memories uh project that they did as daft side when they renamed themselves as a kind of prank well not prank you know they did this creative kind of reimagining of daft punk's dark uh, random access memories and it's all available on soundcloud it's brilliant because you can't even recognize some of the songs as being covers or anything they're they're reimaginations i thought that's a hell of a fun project for this kind of jam band you know they do, they do these kind of things and it wasn't an official release did you consider it for your extensive researches on daft punk related stuff well i didn't because i didn't go that that deep um into random access memories i mean i did a chapter on it but like no, not not this kind of thing which is my way of saying I've just realized I've never listened to uh, this uh, dark side retake of it well, and, and I'm quite I'm quite taken with the idea actually. give it a listen because you, you you will definitely enjoy it and it's it's, it's there it's, it's it's on SoundCloud so Nicolas Jar is has become one of those producers that he's he, he represents top quality And I like the way the, the, the late one of the reviews was talking about how, look, it's, let's stop talking about his Brown, educa Brown University education, his privileged background, uh, the access he's had to the higher spheres of, of culture and art. Uh, but it's, it's, it's hard because this is the, the ideal of what we can... I don't know. I'm one of those weak people who likes to become a bit more sophisticated through my tastes and things, right? <laughs> It has a lot to do with my lack of self-esteem sometimes. So it's, it's like, yes, if I listen to Nicholas Jar, I feel a little bit richer in, in, in my soul. <laughs> Because it's like, yes, and he, he, he's the kind of guy I aspire to become in some sort of way. And it's, I'm 42, it's never going to happen. <laughs> But um, it, I feel this when, when I was listening to this record. It's like, oh, okay, all is good in the universe. You know, it's... We're listening to this this album. We're enjoying it. My house feels a little bit more expensive because this, I'm going to light up a perfume candle to make it s smell even nicer, and I'm going to drink really, really good Evian water or one of those overpriced waters um, just to feel even better. Vichy Catalan. <laughs> It's not exactly expensive, but it feels so good to drink it when you're listening to Spiral, the music made by this incredible Chilean-born Nicolas Jarre. Well, the thing is, you say like you could never imagine doing it, but like if it's a jam band, then presumably if they were, if you were around when they were playing, you could grab your tambourine and give it a shake, <laughs> and you could like feature in, ah, in and participate and add some little bongos. I wonder, like, if maybe that's the appeal of jam bands, because like you know, you see like um, Kanye West right yeah. on oh. stage, you're like, I couldn't do that, or no. you, you see Beyonce on stage, like, no, I, I definitely couldn't do that, right? But you see a jam band on stage, you're like, I could maybe <laughs> just in. about do that and they're paying 20,000 people and mm. as I said their life is better than mine so you know <laughs> yeah. so we listen to a l another cut from our album of the week let's do that
Anyway, I do think Nicolas Zar is one of the brightest music producers, music makers uh, of the last dec- two decades. But he doesn't feature on a list that has been published by Billboard regarding oh, the, best, <laughs> the best producers of the 21st century. They've compiled a list of, the, of what they consider the 50 best music producers. Uh, the list focuses mainly on producers who've defined chart-busting pop in North America. And there are interesting validations, such as the late Sophie, who is higher up than Rick Rubin and Dr. Dre, and uh, contemporary Latin pop producer Tiny, who's at number 10, behind some of the he's behind some of the hottest hits from Globetrotters, Bad Bunny and J Balvin to name but a few. Um, and the top three producers on the list in this order, according to the Billboard staff, are Timbaland, The Neptunes and Swe- the Swedish Max Martin, who has amazingly kept his grip on the sounds young people desire to hear, evolving with the times and giving the people what they didn't even know they wanted. Here a comment are Ben Cardio and Marvai Verdu. Yeah, I find like Golmar, sorry, I interrupted you. No, 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 see. I just find like I'm I'm one of these annoying people that absolutely loves and absolutely hates lists at the same time. So I actually <laughs> love reading lists, but I like at the same I like then really like getting offended by them in a way. And it's just like this this list was absolute perfect fodder. So like I'm very glad it existed, but at the same time it's like it doesn't make it kind of like doesn't really make a lot a lot of sense in a way, and like it it's it's just such such a difficult thing to sort of rank. Like how can you rank like I don't know, yeah. um, like Jack Antonoff and Sophie for example. Like wh- which one is like more more important than the other? And it's like is it for what they've done through their lives or what the, what they've done now? Because I was like you know you got Timberland I think at number three. Three he hasn't done all that much recently, but he's one of my favourite producers of of sort of. Forever, well, basically, he, he did change the game commercially and, and very extensively to such a well to such a point that he, I can see why he's at number three. Well, like, if you ask, like, I was thinking about this before I actually um, had a look at the list, and I was like, well, if someone was to ask me like who my favourite producers are, I'd probably put like the Neptunes and Timberland in it, mm. but I'm sure they won't be up there because they haven't done all that much recently. Neptunes are still. Uh, I can't. Pharrell's still doing that. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not the same when he's uh, he's on his own. Yeah. Well, he's so present all the time, and he's and he's and and he's had such success as a solo artist, but never distancing himself from being a producer. Because I don't. It's hard to rate Pharrell as a solo artist, like as a singer. Even even though he performed at places like Coachella, he was like a headliner almost. He needed to have a lot of collaborators and people having guest vocals and stuff because he's got his own style and everything, but he's not that powerful as a as a f- singer. He's got a cool falsetto and stuff, but as a live singer, he's not a belter. But uh, but he's he's I think he's far more talented as a producer and what he does for other artists than what he does for himself, which is curious. But this is what this list is uh, valuing. It's it's their work for others. Mar. Um, no, I, I was looking at the list and like, I hope I know someone, <laughs> I hope I know someone because for a long time, I, I feel like me and a lot of people didn't even bother to know about producers when it's a huge part in music. Like maybe I, I know 
a couple without even knowing. Mm. But um, I don't know, maybe the last year or a couple years ago, I feel like I have learned to appreciate um, the work of a producer. I don't know if because of the internet decided that I should be more interested in it and and I get YouTube recommendations about it or something. But I, I for example, Arca, who is in mm. the in the producer list, um, of the be- 50 best music producers is there and and I really like her her work just like Sophie's work I feel like it's very similar mm. and and I don't know I feel like I'm becoming a music expert now that I look at the <laughs> list and I'm like oh yes she should have been lower or higher <laughs> and I can get annoyed at it just like Ben so what about Jack Antonoff at number nine are we uh, uh my I, well you see that's an example of someone that because of his last three years uh, he deserves to be in such a high spot because he, I, I don't know, it's so much as def- he's defining an era, but he's definitely he behind. He definitely is. Like, uh, it's, it's crazy what he's doing and, and the hold he has on pop culture. Like, he's basically managing it all. Yeah. He works behind all, all these albums we've, that have been releasing the past year, two years. Yeah. He's behind everything. Lord, Lana Del Rey, Taylor Swift, Claro, uh, Claro uh, <laughs> and, and more and more and more. Uh, and it's, yeah, uh, what, what we were saying the other day, that he, he must be such a, a, a calming force to work with. You know, people who, who are so high up, who have to deal with all, those, all that pressure. He must be like, like Rick Rubin. No? He's almost more of a guru rather than a producer. <laughs> Sometimes Rick Rubin is famous for not actually doing much behind the mixing board or anything. He just sort of... Indicates things sat barefoot in his lovely Shangri-La garden. But I was really interested in in the sort of um, Jack Antonoff memes that that Mar sent earlier because basically <laughs> people uh, don't like Jack Antonoff, do they? What? Uh, yeah. Oh no, 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 no! Have you not seen these memes? <laughs> what memes? Where? What it's do- basically like a load of. Uh, well, let me let let me take one um, which says uh, it's a tweet: Jack Antonoff ripping all the flavour from the alternative girls and adding piano. Uh, Jack Antonoff has managed to sand off the interesting parts of even Lord's music. What can't he do? Um, uh, Jack Antonoff produced albums, and there's pic- like nine pictures of. Where did you two- send these? Uh, it's basically at the end of the topic. But uh, yes, I I really love Jack Antonoff. But some of the memes that I see online, because there's like this duality. Not everyone hates him, but. They do. It's impossible. Even if you're the number one in this list, you're the best uh, music producer out there. Um, it's very difficult to make a thousand albums in the span of like five months and not have music that sound the same. Um, within these different works, like there's one of these memes that compares um, Stone at the Nail Salon. Salon, um, that that's the last single that Lord put out from her upcoming album, um, compared to a Lana Del Rey song in whatever in Ten the countryside. <laughs> countryside chemtrails over the country club referring to those lines in the sky created by airplanes and a country club being where Lana Del Rey I imagine spends a lot of time or would more <laughs> well they sound very similar but is it Jack Antonoff's fault that he cannot exploit his mind to this level to m- not have similar sounds and I saw a similar one happening in, in San Bison's Am I saying the name Vincent. wrong? Vincent. <laughs> I always say it. You're going to say it wrong anyway. Um, 
um, album compared also to Lana's, I think it was Lana's, or, or some other um, Jack Antonoff produced album. But is it impossible to, like, I feel it's not his fault, or maybe it is, it is his job, but, the, but uh, how can you do so many albums? How, how can it be so many different sounds? How can you produce that many music? And this is the it's a problem of like what people want there because basically if Jack Antonoff went in and produced an album that was like Dutch techno right mm -hmm. um 50% of people are like what the hell are you doing this is like not what we want at all and if Jack Antonoff went in and produced an, an album that sounded a bit like how he normally does you know yeah. with pianos violins that kind of thing the other half of the people are going to be like ah oh, you've just done exactly the same thing it's kind of like I, I think people don't don't know what they want basically or are producers like singers they have a style and you go to them if you want that style or can they just because I, I, I don't know exactly what the work of a producer is but um, can you just go to him and be like oh I'm going to do metal now and, mm. and he has to say yes or you have to adapt to his style I think there's basically two kinds of producers there are ones that you go to and you, you do your thing and they, they make it sound good which is like, or they bring out the best in you. Which, which is like Rick Rubin. Exactly, or, exactly, or yeah. Shellac, what's the name? Albini, Steve Albini, who's famous for that. So they might go back and go, like, you need to write some more songs, and then, you know, we're going to go and think about this for a bit. And then there are producers um, like Tim and who kind of have their own sound, and they will not impose their own sound, but they'll kind of like, you will end up sounding a bit, a bit like Timberland. And like the two people you've uh, you got at the top of that list, well, Timberland and Neptune's are very good examples of that. There was a time, you know, when you'd be like, oh, that's a Timberland record. That's that's a Neptune's record, even if it was actually by someone else, you know, if someone mm. else's w name was on it. And I guess that's like the ultimate thing what Jack Antonoff would do. You, like, you'd be like, well, this is a Jack Antonoff record, but it's slightly different. But that's so hard to do. That's so, like, so incredibly hard to do. Particularly, it's like he's not making his record, he's working with someone else. So, like, he can't just be like, you know what, Lord, could you just like stick trumpet in there? Because people are sort of complaining about my record <laughs> sounding the same. She'd be like, no, Jack, I really can't. Although maybe she wouldn't, as. Uh, um, yeah. Do you want me to talk about Lord and Jack Antonov? Yes. Because we are here, so we have to. Um, we, I feel like we have to talk about this affair. If we're talking about producers, and if we talk about producers, we talk about Jack. And if we talk about Jack, we have to talk about the Lord and Jack Antonov affair. Obviously, the new album is coming, so and they produced it together. Well, so. what? There's, there, there's, they're together? Wait a moment. <laughs> Let's go back to <gasps> 2018. Yes. Um, Lord, well, not 2018, 2015. Um, Wasn't he still with married to Lena Dunham? Oh, Johan. Okay, you sorry, I'm sorry. You're in for sorry. a ride. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> um, so um, it's 2015, and uh, Lord just uh, is about to, well, she's just the pure heroine, and, and she will. she's about to begin working in her new album, Melodrama. And and she starts to talk and, and decides to work with Jack Antonoff. Mm -hmm. And they start um, doing some, some work together. And, and the thing is, they get so into it, um, she basically moves in with Jack and Lena uh, in their apartment in L.A., I guess. Um, and the three of them are living together, um, making a Lord's album, not Lena, but Lena just lives there because yeah. she's... Because um, it's her house. It's her house. <laughs> Fair enough. You know. Yeah, basically. Um, not Lord's house, but um, apparently she lives there too oh now. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and, and then um, 
the thing is, this album was about um, Lord breaking up with her long-term boyfriend mm. um, for three years that that she had in back in New Zealand. She's heartbroken. Um, this is what the album will be about. And Jack is into it. Let's start doing some records. And Lena has to leave to campaign for Hillary against Trump in the election in the US. Mm. So they're left just um, Lord and Jack Antonoff in the house. And <sighs> Lena is off to off to the road with Miss Hillary Clinton campaigning. They're, they're alone drinking Chardonnay yeah. late in the Getting hours, three in the morning. It's a Chardonnay with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most romantic one. <laughs> no they get really intimate. They, Lord opens up to him they get really close they connect she understands him not like lena and and magic happens suddenly the album that began as a breakup album becomes a new 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 romance by by the end of it she's starting to develop new feelings she starts to be in a new relationship that's obviously Jack's uh, Jack and Lord's affair, and and it, it it filtered through the the chemistry that they both had. It filtered through the the, the narrative of of the album, <gasps> and that's what melodrama is about. It's about her um, having a, an affair with a person that's that has already a, a relationship. And, and and that's also why Trump won the election because Lena Dunham was getting. Um, was losing her boyfriend and she couldn't focus on on on, on making job, Hillary on making Hillary win. great again. So now we got because of Lord and Jack Antonov, we got Trump, we on, got Trump. Uh, on the on the pre- as the president of the United States. And the thing doesn't finish here. The, all of this I know because back when when the album was finally released um, in 2018, so a, a couple years later. Um, well, all of this happened when all, yeah, when all of this uh, happened. They um, and the album was released. Um, Lena and, and Jack said they they had been broken up for for a few time and stuff. And if you go back to the timeline of all this happening, is when Lena was on the road and Jack and Lord were effing wow. in Lena's house. And uh, I think we should say allegedly because <laughs> allegedly. absolutely allegedly. none of but, this is proved. Um, there, there's a super fan that was really mad at Lord for saying the album was about her breakup when it clearly is about having an affair with one of the best producers out there. Um, and she did a PowerPoint that you can find on the internet for everyone to see um, how the timeline exactly goes and what exactly happens and, and all the mess behind it. And the thing is that this is kind of relevant now because there's people that have been rewatched because wait a moment because now you're going to get lost. We know folklore, right? Yes. By Taylor Swift. Yes. It's also produced by, by Jack Antonoff. Mm-hmm. And apparently Taylor said that folklore has nothing to do with um, personal experiences and, and it's from another's perspective and stuff. But Jack Antonoff has said a lot of times he never writes or produces music that's not related to his own lived experience. And what is folklore about? It's about an affair. It's about... Um, well, how Betty and and what James and what was the other? I don't remember the uh. third one name, but it's um it's about an affair. So 
a lived experience um, about an affair in Jack Antonoff's life, I think we get the, the thread of the, the story again of Lord and, and him writing melodrama. And, and there's this, um, the, not, not the show, but this kind of a special thing they did on Disney Plus with Taylor in which they explain her and yeah. the band and, and Jack yeah, yeah, explain like... how they did folklore and stuff. If you watch that um, episode or whatever that thing was, um, thinking about the the affair and and Jack Antonoff writing about it through folklore, um, you can see his he, what he says and what Taylor says, how he reacts to what Taylor is saying makes a lot of sense. Like you, you see in his face, he he likes sneakers a little bit at some things like. Um, Taylor says, yeah, there, there's this like trilogy, like a trinity of three people that um, come together in this story. And Jack is like, haha, yeah, um, this tr trinity of people. Yeah, me, Lena and Lord. And, and you just have to look it through this perspective. And there's this girl in TikTok that's making like she seriously has the like this cardboard in her in her room and she's connecting the dots through folklore melodrama and this um, special episode to see how everything connects to explain the story now kind of through Jack's perspective and I'm here for it I love how celebrities kind of drop like spill the tea in their music and their work and and we have to well i don't think it's their purpose that we understand and we dig into their past to see what they're actually talking about but it's it's amazing i love the internet uh everyone should uh, re rewatch or re-go to this powerpoint that's amazing and it has all the details you're gonna be convinced and this is what melodrama is actually about you're gonna wanna really listen to melodrama through a new perspective it's amazing i had a list of books to read over the summer holiday and <laughs> no, actually, you i'm just gonna... one thing that is this powerpoint <laughs> this powerpoint my god i mean if you probably don't even know how pineapple juice fits into the whole thing it has a very very big there, there's there's something for you over summer we don't have we should have just dedicated this entire show to this powerpoint we i'm afraid we have to move on we're running out of time um uh, lovely well thank you mark uh, but Going back to the list of the Billboard's um, 50 best producers of the 21st century, according to the magazine, they consider Max Martin the number one producer. And this is one of his productions, Megan and Liz. Well, it's nice to know that some record producers don't need dating apps to meet new people. But apparently, this thing that I know nothing about, the dating app, is continuing to evolve. There's a new one about to be launched. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I, don't, I know nothing about dating apps either. And it's it's one of the things that fascinates me most in, in the modern world. Like I've been I, I've been with my wife for like... Mm, 
Are you flexing on us? I know nothing about dating apps. I'm so in love. I don't need any help from dating apps. Mark, I have been with my with my wife for uh, 11 years, right? So dating apps didn't exist 11 years. Well, Grinder existed, but that's an entirely different different uh, game. Different, yeah, yeah, different yeah. Um, in fact, I used to remember thinking, wow, Grinder exists, but there's nothing sort of for for like heterosexual people. Yeah. And I mean, Tinder isn't quite that. I mean, there's some slightly different focus, but there we go. I resent the whole thing because I would have benefited from da- dating <laughs> apps because I was useless in discotheques. I mean, <laughs> traditionally... I don't believe that for no. a Seriously, no. You just side lap. Bet you're an Aquarius, right? <laughs> but the, the whole having to scream into someone's ear to, to, to bring out the best in your personality and trying to... You know, I'm all about the sensitive side, my cultural tastes, my cultural appropriation of literary things. You know, I, I look at what's Nicolas Jar reading and I would say, oh... You know, oh yeah, this is a wonderful book on Carl Sagan. You know, but you can't really talk about that in discotheques. And especially in Torremolinos, where I grew up, you know, it was always the chulito machito who would get the girls and little sensitive indie kid me was always awkward in those ambiences. I didn't benefit. It's like it's like one of my favorite names, the un- uncomfortable nightclub uh, meme girl. You know, you you know who that is? Oh, yeah, yeah, Who's yeah, meme yeah, girl? Yeah. The uncl- uncomfortable nightclub meme girl. This yeah. one, this one, this one for, for one of it. I love that. Ah! That was basically like my my life. That, yes. you know, that, that's me. That that's was, me. That's yeah. why dating apps maybe are. But it's not any better than this picture. It's kind of this, but through through the internet, you get the same feeling. No, but this is why. Like the, this, this app seems like I, I don't know if it's great or not because, like you know, like obviously music is been a very big thing in my life. Um, and um, I suppose I've often thought, like you know, maybe like this is. Um, Music would be a good way for me to meet people. Yeah, I don't need to now. Uh, and they've come. I, like, I don't. But I don't know if it's a good thing or it's an absolute disaster. Hang on. When MySpace became super popular, that was kind of the the thing. It wasn't. It, it was all about sh- music discovery and sharing musical taste, and and you would build your whole French uh, friend list, or fr- you know, you'd make you'd tag friends of people who shared you know your love of Joy Division or Sushi and the Banshees or whatever. No, and you'd have your little wall decorated like a bedroom po- with all the posters of films, uh, film scenes and stuff. I thought that's what MySpace kind of uh, made it made it good. You know, you could. You could meet people and feel attracted to them through musical taste, but then, then Facebook and then things evolved. So, Mar, bring us the. What, I, how is this? I agree with. Yeah, I I have no idea. It's not launched yet, right? August. It's like, it's gonna be well, August. you can get on the. Apparently, there's such demand like you have to sort of get on the queue. But I'm, I'm never always rather skeptical about these things. I think it can be also like a super good idea because I agree. Like having a, a mutual interest in music like can be amazing, and and I. I don't remember. I don't think I had Spotify when it had this uh, um, possibility. But you could message people in Spotify um, hmm. back in the day. I don't know when, but a few years ago. And that that's the best way of flirting with someone. Like, oh, I also like blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Do you like? And you start talking to someone. So that that's amazing. And and if Spotify got rid of that that thing they had, now having an. Uh, an app today just to flirt through music can be amazing. But at the same time, who are going to download this app? It's going to be mostly people that have got complexes surrounding music. So maybe I I don't know, but do uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm not sure 
who is gonna be in there if they're gonna like mansplain to you oh uh, yeah, yeah 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 this <laughs> is gonna be mansplaining <laughs> that, oh do you know who insert very popular person is he's not very known you probably don't know about him it's like yes i don't know who well, magdi marco is get over it i think that there's a problem like built into this app which is like oftentimes people especially kind of younger people lie about their musical tastes right mm-hmm. don't they because it's like you want to sound a lot cooler so <laughs> yes. like you're probably going to get people on 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 the app who like actually listen to um, lord and you know, Lord and uh, Daniel Hall, yeah. right? Great, lovely. But they'll say on the app, they listen to like Sun Ra and, you know, Miles <laughs> Davis or something like that. And like, then you're kicking the whole relationship off on a lie. And imagine, like, and then imagine you meet someone else who also likes Miles Davis and Sun Ra. Can you imagine the conversations? Because like, you've been brought together on music. So it's like, oh, what's your favorite Sun Ra album? And you can just imagine the sweat <laughs> breaking out. And that, maybe they're both like, but they're both sitting there like, oh God. They're both lying. <laughs> or they both studied the Wikipedia page before oh, the Oh God, like, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Did you know that he went to this cafe five years ago when he got a, a latte or it's like <laughs> well you know imagine if they both memorize the same thing stop exactly. talking about me <laughs> <laughs> but people do that on tinder anyway i mean i've seen some profile pictures of some oh, of my girlfriend's friends and man they filter up so much it's like that's unrecognizable that's not you know it's what you order and then what you get from aliexpress you know it's like uh, that happens on tinder where there's a, this big light with the photo so imagine with musical taste but it can be cautionary because you can tell by certain men's mm-hmm. tastes oh, that yeah. they're mm-hmm. probably going to yep. be incels. <laughs> if they listen to a perfect circle, tool, <laughs> death metal, um, <laughs> Rob Roman is looking at me like, what? <laughs> what? Uh, if, if they're really intense about, you know, free jazz and stuff, yeah, maybe keep away from those guys because yeah. they're probably highly opinionated and things. This is what I wanted to ask you all. Like, what is the one band on there that would just make you go, I'm not contacting the person, I'm deleting the app? Um, Mine's Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> I'm. I think someone that's obviously like a sexual predator, like or something really bad, and we have already passed it. Like, and and we decided it's not good anymore, and he's the only one that's still there with a flag of of the person that's like um. What's his name? The one that has like all this jelly looking like grills and and six nine six yeah. nine oh it's actually six nine yeah yeah, yeah. To yeah. Me, if he has a, a song like that you can put in tinder you can put your favorite song or your favorite artist and if he has six nine there it's a direct no. emos stay away from emos <laughs> <Why> <laughs> except emos? for Ro- the, the emo <laughs> trappers because usually they're they look at their own belly buttons uh, for many hours you know they're they're heavily self-involved and stuff and you know they're not going to remember your birthday or special dates now nah, i'm joking that's unfair emos are incredibly romantic i would have thought emos would be quite nice I'd, I'd yeah, quite like to emo, emo. it's not yeah, the biggest the, red flag to be an emo there's so much war emotional they're sensitive I've always wanted I wish I would have dated a goth because I like I like goths I love goths I wish I'm a frustrated goth I never I never became a proper goth I never dated a goth but we we used to have some friends who were goths and we went around the house we had the best fun like have you have you ever done like the thing which you know like the rock horror picture show right yeah do you know there's like a whole alternative script so like when the, the film is playing you say stuff watching it and it's like they say stuff back to you oh my god 
Well, I didn't know this until I went round this oh, brilliant. House. Yeah, this brilliant goth girl house. There was a dead bird in the fridge. All right, we'll just leave that. Okay. There, there literally was. I'm not. Oh joking. my god. Um, but <laughs> not, I, not, a, not a chicken for tonight's dinner. <laughs> no, no, a dead, dead. Oh no, feathered bird. It may be now. A crow. Um, yeah, I think it was a blackbird. But anyway, um, she hadn't killed it. She just found it dead. Oh, then everything's explained if she hadn't killed it. It's totally normal. <laughs> but, but, but we had a great night. It was brilliant night doing this thing. Uh, yeah. I remember when I saw former president of Spain, uh, Zapat- José Luis Rodríguez Zapatero, when he visited the White House with his two daughters dressed like full goth. I goth love Really? I wanted to become their friend so bad. It's like, how cool is that? And they got so much shit yeah. on the internet and stuff. It's like, I want, I want to be their friend. I, I, I bet they have the best time. Um, it was so cool. That must picture, have the most incredible it's engraved literary. in my brain. Like I saw someone saying, um, literally, like a few weeks ago, everyone shit on them, and everyone said, like, "Oh my God, how can you let your daughters go like this to meet the Obamas or someone like uh, very important?" And now I think that's the coolest way to parent your your kids. Like, yeah. do you, if you feel comfortable in this yeah. clothing, like, yes, that's how you express yourself. Express yourself, even yeah. if I'm the president. Like, I'm not gonna stop you. And parents award to Zapatero and, and his yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah, and his wife, Sonsoles, who's a singer. She's a choir singer, a soprano. Well, she sings in a choir. She's a, so she's an artist. You know, it's, It must be wonderful being at the Fantastic. Zapatero household in general. It must, I can imagine it reeks of culture. But I don't think there's a single, like, if I was on a dating app, I don't think there's a band that would offend me, like, oh, I don't want to date a person who listens to that. My, girl, my, my girlfriend, who I'm terribly in love with, uh, she put me on to Luis Miguel. I I didn't I ah, canción ligera said so now I am like the biggest Luis Miguel fan I want to I study his steps I want to dress like him I want to live like him uh, and it's and it's like I never considered her musical taste to be as good as mine <laughs> but now it's like I just let her handle the playlists and stuff and and thing is she likes Bad Bunny too much which is not a bad thing but sometimes three hours of Bad Bunny in a car <laughs> it's, it gets a bit repetitive well let me say one person one name who there might be on the list I wouldn't be that keen on is none other than the subject of our latest well the, the ah! author of our latest song Rob can we have it James Life been normal I've been ostracized, I've watched through a window As my young self died I've been popular with all the popular guys I gave them punchlines, they gave me warning signs I look okay in the magic cow in the right light With the right amount of power And I'm okay With the life of the sunflower And I'm okay With the life of a meteor shower So say what you will Okay, so um, James Blake has announced a brand new album titled <laughs> Friends That Break Your Heart, the preceding single, Say What You Will, which we're listening to, has a video which features Phineas Eilish 
although Billy's big brother doesn't actually collaborate on the song itself, which is, according to Blake, about finding peace with who you are and where you're at, regardless of how well other people seem to be doing. Um, <laughs> which is a powerful and much-needed sentiment to express in the age of FOMO-inducing social media. One could argue the source of so much mental distress since the dawn of social media is constantly feeling overwhelmed by all the exciting things other people seem to be doing on your feed. It's funny he chose Phineas because you could also argue the Eilishes have basically taken more than a few notes from the James Lake manual on how to make extremely intimate sounding whispered and minimalist songs. But another thing about the video is that it is shot in LA where Blake owns a flat in West Hollywood. It got me thinking about how many British entertainers move to Los Angeles when they become successful from Morrissey to Alex Turner, even Robbie Williams. Many musicians have felt the temptation, British musicians have felt the temptation of the sunshine and made the city of stars their permanent residences. But there's a loneliness to living in LA which seems very delicate for certain artists. If you watch Cara Delevingne show off her gaudy bonkers mansion, you feel a little bit sorry for her since she shows off a French rotisserie oven roast for roasting chickens that she still hasn't used because she hasn't been able to get her family reunited at her gaff. Further along the tour of the house, the mansion, she shows one of the guest bedrooms with a twin bunk bed for friends when they sleep over, but that hadn't been used either. In a perverse way, it made me feel less bad about myself for not being rich and living in the Hollywood Hills, something I've always fantasized about. Many writers like Brett Easton Ellis have pointed out how vacuous life in LA can become. Everyone seems to be aspiring to something and you never know if people are talking to you to rise a bit higher in the ladder or because they think you may be someone important. I get the sense that once you move into one of these mansions up in the hills, you become isolated from the world. In LA, everyone drives, no one walks. It's not like in other European cities like Madrid or London, which is no longer a European city, where people yes, walk. It is, it's on the continent of Europe. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> but it's not like those cities where people walk and bump into each other and maybe you improvise a lot according to who you bump into. Like, ah, let's grab a coffee, let's have a beer for a minute and have a chat. No, in LA, you make plans that end up, end up getting cancelled, sometimes because of phobo, fear of better options. A friend once told me trying to organise a dinner for six was always a dilemma because people always stood you up last minute after you'd gone through the trouble of cooking up a storm. Fickle friends who would dump you because there was some pool party at James Franco's house. Ah, And you won't condemn them because you probably would have done the same. Ah, but in the case of James Blake, I guess the sadder he is, the better his music. He once told The Standard, to quote David Lynch, anxiety and depression for people who are creative and isolationist are good subjects for the arts. Or maybe he can use a new dating app to meet friends. Can I just say something about about James Blake? Like I've I've been quite harsh on him, and I but I've got, <laughs> oh. I, but I've got to say I absolutely love this this video for the new song, and it showed what an absolute useless person I am because I first looked at it and I was like, oh, this video is absolutely terrible, and then I realised he's taken the piss, and it's absolutely brilliant. Someone literally pisses on his shoes <laughs> at one point, and it's it's one of my favourite things. Phineas so. pisses on his shoes. It's Phineas. Oh, is that Phineas? That's oh, Phineas. Sorry. Oh, so they I, kind of look alike. Yes, that's the thing. I, I thought it was just like random. Them, like more successful, but I didn't realize that. Oh, sorry, it's, it's all the time. It's, it's Phineas brilliant. in the video, it's brilliant. It's, it's really good. good. So, nice, nice one for that. Um, look, 
Time's running out, um, but I, I really wanted to, um, to, to play this one tune because, like, uh, Reese West is someone we's ha- we've had on the show before, back in the Sprung days. He came in, he rapped for us, he did, like, freestyle for us. He's brilliant. He's a brilliant sort of rapper from London, but he also loves Barcelona. He comes over here quite a lot. Uh, he's been working a lot uh, with, with local artists. He, he loves Barcelona, and it's good to see him, like, bridging that gap. Uh, he has got a new single. It's called Barca. Um, and um, I asked him to explain why he decided to write this. Yo, yo, yo. It's Reese West here. Shout out Ben and my Radio Primavera family. Shout out my Catalonia Barcelona family. Shout out everyone in Spain and everyone back here in London. My name's Reese West and this is my new single, Barca. I wrote it over there six weeks ago in my Secunda Casa. Barcelona's definitely my second home. I love it over there and yeah, get used to music like this. I'm gonna be back and forth because Barcelona's tattooed to my heart and yeah, sir. West West La Masio Yeah West West See your ends ain't will Gaza so please don't play that martyr if ain't cash then it's all blah blah still styling like radar Catalonia call that Barca new cap bands Nevada my belly don't match my marga come back back your partner I've got bros back like karma live films I don't do drama I was in Barca drinking Clara browsing Ghana morning carver I'm still on the feels like Barca do we have time for Tatarelena? Oh, just a little bit. Look, just go go and listen to that 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 song because um, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and uh, he's a lovely bloke. And uh, anyway, yeah. So very very quickly, Tatha Reina, We we've been trying to recommend um, some music uh, from bands who are playing um, Primavera Sound twenty twenty two. Kind of like the undercard, I call it, like the, the smaller bands who are playing. Um, and uh, Tata Relena, Relena are playing, and I absolutely love them. They're this, this duo that basically, Catalan singers, like reinventing folk music um, using, and like real folk music, like weird old Greek songs and Catalan yeah. songs and all kinds of things, like from, from all kinds of places. Um, doing it brilliantly in a modern fashion. Uh, they sing incredibly well. They uh, sing with Maria now. I saw them in concert the yes. other day. Like the three of them singing together, uh, absolutely brilliantly. Like I don't know what on earth they are gonna they're, they're gonna do in this concert, but I am very 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 excited. Anyone who wants something local to go and see, yeah. uh, go and see these people. These are Tatarigena. and we're going to listen just a little bit of Infanski. Oh God, okay, Nes- Neskitur, uh, the Man's O remix. absolutely adore Tartarelena. You know why they're called Tartarelena? Well, I think one of the reasons is because their real names is one is Marta and the other is Helena. Oh. So ah, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And and they were joking once with it. We were taking some photos of them, and then they put on the visor Arta Melena. I don't know. They put, <laughs> and that's when I realized like Arta Melena, ah, como Tarta Relena. Y de repente sí, no sé qué, no sé cuánto. Oye, Marta, oye, Elena. Yo, ah, okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> um, but yes, incredibly talented. It's funny because there's this moment now in Barcelona where they're not the only ones who are revisiting sounds that sound like the folkier sounds of yesterday. And we're talking about Mediterranean or Spanish folk, not kind of uh, country folk, Americanized folk. We're talking real folkloric chants that resuscitate uh, some kind of verbena, which is the sort of local popular festivities in villages and things. Something a bit like Rigoberta Bandini, who we saw the other day perform. She's also becoming massively popular because she's introducing a little bit of that festive spirit, ancient or old festive spirit, into sort of modern electronic pop productions. And uh, she's, she's owning it. She's owning it. Ah, this was the last episode of the season. What? How is your summer holidays looking, guys and girls? Exciting. I'm, I can't wait to go to the beach and get tanned, finally. I, it's just my only thing <laughs> I will do this summer, try to get tanned. Well, you, 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 you've been very busy and we've loved all your, your theories and we look forward to more when we come back in of September. Course. Ben, what's your wish for the summer? Uh, trying not to get sunburnt, <laughs> basically. <laughs> And yes. you? I'm I'm just gonna chill and and hopefully read this PowerPoint by <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> Try and understand, you know, all the things that happened between Jack Antonoff and Lord during Lena Dunham's uh, tour. Do you yeah. reckon? Do you reckon we're gonna like now? We we don't have to keep up with new culture for the summer. We're just gonna go back and like I'll be listening to in Spiral Carpets records all summer, and you know it'll be. I, I'm very, I'm, this, this is very pretentious of me, but you know, as I say, I'm trying to be more closer to Nicolas Jar than uh, El John Cobra. And uh, <laughs> because I'm reading Tarantino's latest book, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's a moment where he sort of uh, goes really on about the Japanese cinema, Kira Kurosawa and stuff. And I'm just trying to watch all these Kurosawa movies and they're impossible. It's, <laughs> I get, I, I really, I'm trying to watch them in Japanese, reading the subtitles, they're really small and it's taking me ages. So that is my plan for this summer. I'm going to watch more than one Kurosawa movie and everything starring what's his name Mifune Ta uh, Toshiro Mifune anyway that's me being pretentious once again thank you <laughs> ladies and gentlemen for listening to the, uh, to the weekly review we leave you with Tarta Relena thank you for listening <laughs>